This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm AB, and this week that means Aaron's back, baby. ABB, maybe? I don't know. Something like that. Uh, I'm here. I'm back. I'm also joined, of course, by Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all, it's your old pal, Aaron Mike Spears. I'm doing all right. You know, uh, before we got going, I was having a lot of uh, pudge moments the, today during the show. But, you know, everything else here is going pretty well. Uh, got a new fancy boom arm that I'm very excited about that I spent approximately five minutes with Aaron as he was trying to do something else as I was trying to adjust it to make it sound all right. But I'm doing okay. Uh how are you now, Aaron, now that you're back into the thick of things? You've escaped the Sea Org, and now you're back amongst the living. I'm okay. This is my third podcast of the day, which uh, I don't enjoy. I'm not happy about, but I'm happy to be here. I uh, missed doing the show last week. I went a little crazy on life this morning because I, I missed the show so much. I got a new tattoo, and it's uh, they do this gimmick now where they just like wrap it. You just put it in this shit. For like five days and it uh looks insane it feels insane and i hate that so uh that's pretty much it but uh so Nate, wait oh, i'm sorry the, the, this is like the replacement for a and d instead of using like a and d or other sort of stuff now they have like a sleeve you put on after for aftercare so you clean it you let it dry okay. completely you don't put anything over it and then you do this uh stuff that's like it's for wound care where you just right. it's they're like little plastic sheets that like stick to your skin uh and you just leave them on there for five days so that's what well, i'm doing right now fair enough sorry i just yes. the just point of information there sure uh nate is also here aka epitasis how are you nate i'm doing pretty good i'm uh i'm a little annoyed first of all that we're not getting grumpy Aaron. I was promised grumpy Aaron on today's AEW light, and you're clearly uh, not very grumpy. So I think that's false advertising. Uh, I think the fans have gotten used to Aaron being in a uh, state of, um, what's a semi-diplomatic word to use here, uh, disgruntledness. Uh, and I think you're uh, you're letting everybody down by being in a good mood. I don't know what happened. It's been an awful day. Um, I think I can trace it, actually. So work has been insane lately. And so that's led me to basically having to work all day today when I wasn't podcasting. And I don't like working on the weekend, frankly. I don't like working in the evenings, which I have been. But, friends, uh, after I got done working and did my second podcast, I took a little walk to a little place down the street called Dairy Castle. And I got some ice cream. Dairy Castle. Uh, Dairy Castle with a K. <laughs> and it's it's this amazing place that's, you know, like, I don't know, half a mile from my house. <laughs> and they have, like, the biggest menu you could possibly imagine. And what I got was what they call 
a flurry, which is like, you know, a mech flurry or a, what does Dairy Queen call them? Blizzard. Uh, a blizzard. And it is so good. And that, I think, really turned my day around. Well, that will do it. A, a knockoff blizzard um, will cure what ails you. Now, I'm guessing by the uh, by the branding here, by the by the name mark uh, that this place was at one called one time called Dairy King, and then they had were forced to change it by the Dairy Queen Corporation. So they went with Dairy Castle, but with a K. So they're really coming as close to infringing on that trademark as possible. <laughs> well, I will say I I posted a picture on my Instagram story that I was at Dairy Castle, and a friend of mine who went to high school in Louisville who is about the same age as me, said that she used to go to Dairy Castle, uh, go to there from her high school. So I think it's been called Dairy Castle for at mm. least the past 20 years. That doesn't mean they weren't originally called something else, of course. No, but. Yeah, the king, the, the K makes me, why, yeah. why else have a K? Yeah. Uh, are, are we not going to roast Aaron for calling it a, a Mac Flurry? I don't know where like, that came I, from, honestly. When it came out of my yeah, mouth, I, I didn't notice. I was quest I was skeptical of having said it, but uh, yeah. I, I was more focused on. Uh, I was, I right. was thinking about whether I wanted to split the hair of how similar uh, a McFlurry and a Blizzard oh, sure. really are. I think there's sure. a pretty significant difference. There, there is. There, there is. There's a okay. huge difference. I, I mean, I was going to leave it alone. Well, yeah. this, now we're here. this product is much closer to a blizzard. I want to be very clear about that. Good. But they call it Good. a flurry. Yeah, okay. So I just, you know, I had to at least recognize that it's close to the McFlurry branding. Yeah, I mean, are you of up, you're, you're never actually getting excited for a McFlurry. You're kind of no. like, you're kind of like, well, I can't get a blizzard here at, at McDonald's, uh, but I can get uh, something approximating ice cream. And then you have it, and then you're like, that wasn't worth it at all. No. Yeah. Literally, the only time I would get a McFlurry is if Dairy Queen is closed. There's no Dairy Queen around. It's like, you're like, well, fuck, I guess if I can't, if I can't literally, there's no way for me to go to a Dairy Queen, I will get a McFlurry. But this flurry at the Dairy Castle uh, is just as good as a Blizzard, honestly. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. It's so, exciting. It turned my day around a little, and then this episode of Dynamite didn't piss me off as much as I felt pissed off. I think these, like, Friday Dynamites... I, 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 it, uh, it, I might even call it a good episode of Dynamite. I don't know if I'm, uh, you know, uh, out on a limb there, going crazy. No, I think it was good. I think it was good. Uh, but these Friday Dynamites have really pissed me off. I mean, they've been bad, <laughs> and... I wasn't excited about having to watch the show on a Saturday night, to be honest. And uh, but it came through, so I, I'm in a better mood than I have any right to be. So. How is everybody's uh, Bosch watching coming? I haven't had a chance to watch any yet. Uh, yeah, Mike? I I mean, I just got an Xbox Series X, so congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was able to get one somehow with, without paying anyone for a finder's fee with it. So I, I've been caught up with that lately. You know how long it takes to download two terabytes worth of games from Game Pass? Um, I do because I, I do download games more than I play them. Right, um, yes. Although I have to say, so I, I, when I got my Series X, I was upgrading from the, from the free Xbox X that I won from Taco Bell. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
And they they did some magic where I literally just unplugged one, not even from the wall. I unplugged one from the power, the power cord. They used the same power cord. Yeah. So I just I just plugged in the old power cord, plugged in the old HDMI cable, and then I logged in. And then it, I don't know how they did it, but it felt like everything was on there and ready to play within moments. Uh, it was an amazing amazing technological feat by the good people, Michael. Well, congratulations. Good for you. I have not owned an Xbox since the 360, so I had a lot of work to do. And then you, you get to go see your game score and everything. So, like, if you're someone like me who just sat out, like, I was not touching the X-Bone whatsoever. I, but the Xbox Series X, I was like, you know what? Game Pass makes sense for me. I, I went back and, like, looked at, like, the games I was playing, like, in 2007 and 2008. And I'm like, all right. Really was into Army of One for a little bit. Don't know why. Not a good game, but I got 300 gamer score out of it. So there I go. Yeah, that was a trip down memory lane. I was like, wow, I played a Tiger Wood PGA golf game for 40 hours in, you know, 2008. That doesn't sound like me, but sure. Mike, I hate to blow up your spot here, but when you posted about buying the Series X, I first of all had no clue what it was, and I Googled it. Uh, and it looks very expensive I, i'm just curious to how you were able to come across one for and unless you paid some insane price for it no uh i there is their twitter accounts that track the oh, this is like the the wario account right mm -hmm. right yeah 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 okay. and i was able to catch one on the right day and i was able to get into okay. my cart and i was to be completely honest i was expecting not to get it and i was expecting it to get refunded but it showed up at my doorstep two days ago so there i go Sorry. I do think the the people at Hard Drive Mag stole my Wario sixty four joke. I don't know if you saw that one. You know, I, I do these I do these fantastic jokes, probably like the best shit on Twitter, and they get like eight faves or whatever. And then Hard Drive Mag or some big account will post the same thing like a week later and get like sixty two thousand faves. Um, but but yeah, um, this is a, this is an ongoing problem. Been going on ten years at this point. Uh, but it was that we needed a Wario sixty four for vaccines. Because he, had I do fucking, remember that tweet. Yeah, I do remember that. And then Hard Drive Mag did a story literally like two days later that was like the exact same thing. Anyway, that's a that's a story about a tweet that I did. <laughs> it's not really a story. New season of Bosch, uh, uh, pretty good. Yeah. The, How the, far into it are you? I think four episodes. Okay. Um, the Bo the Bosch and Maddie scenes are like worse than ever. Um, but I enjoy their badness, like when they have their stupid, heartfelt conversations on the gorgeous, you know, uh, overlook of Los Angeles. Um, just unbelievably dumb, um, but I like it. Um, and are yeah, you pretty prepared? good. I was going to say, are you prepared for the IMD IMDb TV spinoff that's just made so they could have less people there and, you know, non-union? Yeah, no, I'm not happy about that. Um I, you know, IMDb, the branding, maybe the only branding in terms of streaming service that's worse than Amazon Prime. Like <laughs> it's Amazon owned Prime, by the same people. Yeah. Amazon Prime already feels like, um, you know, you're watching on fucking Walmart TV or something. IMDb is whatever is sub Walmart. Um, fucking uh, Farm and Fleet TV. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, I'm pretty excited <laughs> for this new show about Bosch starring all the people from Bosch. Uh, it sounds good to me. No, but well, okay. First of all, you're canceled because it's all a scheme <laughs> to get out of paying union wages to people. Yeah, I have heard that. That sucks. So you are canceled for that. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm pretty sure IMDb TV, you can't just pay for it and watch it. You have to watch it for free with fucking ads, which is hell. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so that's they're, miserable. They're ruining Bosch. 
and Jeff Bezos should be, uh, you know, putting the stocks for this crime. Yes. You know, I've, I've been to street M- mostly fight shows. this crime, right? I've been to street fight shows and I thought killed Jeff Bezos. was going a little far, frankly, but this, no, I draw the line here. Yeah, it's not right. It's fucked up. Um, I expect better of Bosch. I expect better of Maddie. I expect better of Jay Edgar. Um, what and about the Money others. Chandler? Money, uh, Money Chandler uh, has a has a hot storyline this year. Does she? Yeah, that's Ooh. that's probably the thing I'm most interested in at the moment. So if you're, you know, Aaron, uh, if you're a the you know enjoy the defense attorney's perspective side of things. It's finally starting to come around and pay off this season. You could say I'm a money mark. Hey, I think I will. <laughs> Thank you. All right. If you want to know more about our thoughts on Bosch, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast. You just type in everything elite, whatever podcast app you use. Hit subscribe. It's real easy. If it's the Apple podcast app that you use, give us a five star rating and review. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do so, of course, is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. Shout out to all the patrons who are uh, listening live right now. And you could do that every week if you go to Patreon, subscribe uh, to the right tier, of course. All right, we'll kick this off as is customary. I miss doing this. I mean, I didn't miss it at the time, but now that I'm doing it again, I miss it. Uh, So it's time for elite or delete. It is the part of the show where we talk about what we liked and didn't like from the show. Also, that's what we do the rest of the show. Nate, you're up first. What was your favorite part, your elite pick from this week? So, yeah, pretty strong episode, I thought. Really no. Um, well, we'll find things to, to delete. Uh, but in terms of the end ring, I was, I was pretty much enjoying all of it. Uh, I will give my elite selection to the main event, I think because it most exceeded my expectations. Um, you know, I, I knew this was going to be a challenge from Jungle Boy where he's valiant uh, and he does his best and he's a plucky baby face and he gets a couple of hope spots in there, um, but comes up short and isn't able to beat Kenny Omega. And maybe there's some hijinks with, you know, the, the good brothers and all these other guys. Uh, but I really thought the crowd, especially enhanced and heightened this match to a level um, where I got much more into it than I was expecting to. Uh, very good crowd overall on this show, I thought. A total stark contrast to that episode a few weeks ago where Andrade debuted and everything just had a weird fucking vibe and energy the whole night. None of that on this show whatsoever. Crowd was on top of shit. They were hot for shit. The, the Basically, the first, I don't know, half of this match was <laughs> Kenny doing pretty plain heat on jungle boy there was he was not doing a lot of exceptional heat spots there was nothing where you were really like oh yeah that was some great action but the crowd carried the whole first part of this match i thought where kenny was beating him down and then jungle boy was just getting his little hope spots and every time he did the crowd fired up and they were so behind jungle boy and they popped instantly for his moves and it really made it feel like a big world title match where something meaningful was on the line and they wanted their guy to win. And that was just (laughs) so novel to me in, you know, major league American pro wrestling. Uh, And then as it got into later part of the match, it really started to pick up. They had, you know, a a whole bevy of moves and spots and ideas to go through jungle boy 
had two different counters to the one winged angel, um, which, you know, I think meets that meets that little test for a match like this, where is there a moment when you think, Oh my God, there, you know, jungle boy actually is going to win this. Uh, and I don't know if I ever really thought that, but I did, I guess, I guess the standard I would apply is a reasonable person could watch this match and think, no, oh, jungle boy might win this. Um, so that was exciting. I enjoyed the match. Uh, I like Jungle Boy. The crowd obviously loves Jungle Boy. They went crazy for the snare trap move, uh, which is funny to me. Um, he's over, and this was hot. And uh, it was a, a really solid, you know, big title challenge for him. And I think next time they go to this, Jungle Boy's got to start being in the position where he starts winning these big matches. Yeah. Uh, the the big thing that got me in this match, and this is when it clicked from being a very good match to being a great main event and great title match, was when in the first snare trap, I don't know if you caught this, Nate, but out in like the back from where they had the camera set up for it, you could see Jungle Boy's family freaking out that he locked in the, jungle, the, the snare trap. And at that moment, I was like, all right, they did their job here. Like the big thing was to get the crowd to buy into jungle boy having just a remote chance of winning this match and they did so and i thought that the work in this match was great uh, this really reminded me of one of my favorite match types and that is the touring champion meets the local up-and-comer and that's what this one had that vibe of and jungle boy it, it's interesting we were talking about this in the discord for a guy at his point of his career and through his aew uh tenure you would suspect that his stronger performances would be in tag or trios matches where like he's just not left all by his lonesome there. But no, he's really put together like this great uh, catalog of singles matches now. And this is just another one on that list here. And as you said, Nate, like the next time he's in these these positions, like now we are going like, okay, is Jungle Boy going to actually get strapped up here? Because it's clear now that he has his deficiencies, but they've they've shown a willingness to work around that. But it's it's clear now that he's when we talk about like the big prospects, it's when they started the promotion in January 2019. It was big about MJF. It was big about Darby Allen. It was big about Britt Baker. It was big about Jungle Boy. Like he made his step tonight, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they follow up with this because that. But everything they set out to do in this match, they accomplished. Now it's just what the follow through is. And that's why I feel like it's kind of like the fun thing about when you watch like these like younger wrestlers is seeing like them progress and seeing like each time there's like a new task or like a new test to see if they succeed or fail. But this time it was unmitigated success. And this match absolutely was the best thing on the show tonight. What's funny is I think this is a match longtime listeners might expect me to come on and bitch about because jungle boy pushed Omega, uh, you know, to the edge, even though he's jungle boy and he's never beaten anybody. And I think the difference in this particular case is that Kenny Omega isn't the best bout machine in AEW. And this run as champion has not been about putting on these uh, big time matches and, you know, destroying all the biggest people he's, he's gotten by on hijinks and largely on interference, and he has snuck through by the skin of his teeth in basically every match. Um, so I thought it made sense here for a guy like Jungle Boy, especially when they told the classic story of getting all his buddies out of there at the beginning of the match. He's just got to go one-on-one with Jungle Boy. 
and he had a tough time with him. So I think that worked out and the story made sense. I agree that it almost worries me how much the crowd liked Jungle Boy because it's like, oh, you've got to go with this guy now. Like, it's time to actually elevate this uh, this guy into a real guy, a real player in your promotion. And I hope that they will pull the trigger sooner rather than later. Yeah, I wonder where that lane is for him at this point. Like Mike said, it's not like he's been, uh, you know, anchoring a bunch of tag matches with his unit. So it doesn't seem like they're going to go, you know, Jungle Boy winning the tag team titles with Luchasaurus or whatever. Um, but the, you know, world title and TNT title picture are very crowded with over guys who all seem like they, you know, uh, should or need to have some run with one of those belts. So I kind of wonder what your your next your next way to elevate Jungle Boy is without, you know, letting him languish on the back burner for too long. Yeah, because you haven't made the TNT title that thing, right? Like, it's it's established as a top title. Miro is a top guy. So you can't really do that. You're right about the, the tag titles. Uh, so I, I don't know. That'll be interesting because they do have guys like Darby, like Jungle Boy, like MJF and Sammy, that they got to figure out a way to make them important even though it doesn't seem like they're the guys who are going to be winning these titles right now. Yeah. Right, I'm, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm uh, uh, Raul was talking about jungle boy needs to go to go to Mexico and, and get some character as the, you know, uh, uh, hot heartthrob uh, and come back with a, with a refreshed gimmick or something. Um, I would almost pitch. Maybe, maybe you have Kenny lose the top title to somebody else. And then you have him, drop one of his other two titles to jungle boy uh you probably don't want to do it with the triple a title because <laughs> uh i presumably he's gonna lose that to uh you know somebody in triple a uh, but I, wonder okay. if, uh, I wonder if you can get away with having him drop the impact title to jungle boy and then jungle boy can you know eventually lose it to somebody on impact what about the real tna world heavyweight championship <laughs> that'll be good um, well, actually, I don't know. I wonder if the stink would come with it. I, I, I think that's part and parcel at this point. The, the great thing, though, about later having to lose the either title is no one would have any idea that it happened. So if you just well, never mentioned it on on yeah. AEW before. Right. I, I mean, the plus side is that they could do a title switch to Jungle Boy with the AAA Mega Championship. AAA would probably be like, fine, that sounds great. When are you getting the title back and losing it to the guy? That works for us. So, I mean, they could. They could pull a Anoki backland if they really wanted to. All right. What was your uh, favorite thing from this show? I mean, it sounds like this match might have been your favorite thing, but hit yeah, me with your yeah. next most elite pick. Well, there's a lot of stuff on this show that I had a great time with. Like this was the now that they, it's fresh TV, it's not pieced together from a taping from weeks before. Uh, I think the thing that I really enjoyed in this and just like this one like instance was Tully and Conan. I felt like that Conan coming in like, like, yeah, there's way too many, like there's an abundance of managers in this promotion and adding in Conan, you know, that's just adding more to the pot. But Conan provided like a great promo in this thing and a nice like counterpoint to what FDR was doing in their promos that they had last week. And I mean, hey, Conan, the one person who is bold enough to bring up mask incarnation of people of color on national television in a wrestling show 
and getting like a baby face response for it. Like it worked with this. And then like they, they had a real effective like bane switch beat down on him. And I mean, I'm surprised that he took the shatter machine, you know, or is that, well, is this the one that they, they stole the move from uh, Raku, the good night yes, express? I think this there? is now the good night express. Well, it's no, not the good night. Now, no. now the big rig, they named no, it after Brody. Oh, that's now. right. I thought the big rig is what they called the shatter machine. The shatter machine, yes, this was this was none of those. The shatter machine became the Goodnight Express, and then they immediately changed it to the big rig. I, because they had to respect Raku. Right, well, and right, Bradley, yeah. yeah. And, and more importantly, Bradley, but also Raku. But yeah, no, this segment was just, it was really well done, and like the bait and switch, yeah, I mean, AEW, there's been abundance of like these beat down bait and switch kind of things here, but all the work leading up to it, and of course, Conan bringing up the fact of, I, I thought that Conan like was uniquely pointed towards Tolly, and I feel like it worked really well here. Yeah, Conan killed it. I had no expectations for this at all. I was like, oh, fuck, another FTR talk segment. Um, it'll be you know cool to see Conan or whatever, but his relationship with Proud and Powerful is not really clear. So that's you're kind of getting uh, muddied waters on that front. Uh, but then Conan came out and just cut like a fucking awesome promo um, that the crowd reacted to big. He had just a ton of content. He really kind of crystallized the story. I think they were trying to tell last week with this like, oh, you know, FTR and Proud and Powerful were from two different environments. But we, you know, kind of had these similarities in how hard life has been or whatever. Conan, you know, came out and was like fucking underlined it and put a period on and is like, here's what this means. Here's where why proud and powerful uh you know knows this shit better than you guys here's why we're the fucking baby faces in this feud uh and he fucking clowned all the other old guys in this promotion who can't cut a promo and keep your interest and do something exciting and you know pop you and, and all of those other things he came out and he's like no here's what it looks like when a guy just fucking talks to another guy for four minutes straight and is interesting and exciting and gets you fired up about something um, so I was like, hell yeah, love that. <laughs> love to see Conan now. Um, Conan needs to get Vicky Rero out of this promotion. Conan needs to manage Andrade. Conan, um, is the man. Uh, and then, yeah, the angle afterward, like it was <laughs> pretty obvious that it was FDR immediately upon them entering the arena and being on camera. Uh, but you kind of didn't care. It was like, yeah, okay. I see where they're going with this. Uh, but totally did do the one good thing. Uh, that he was going to do in this segment, which is after Conan got, you know, dropped on his on his head, did the big Conan booms. Uh, that was very amusing to me as a, you know, uh, previous Conan podcast listener. Yeah, I was, as you were, Nate, I was pretty skeptical of this happening, but it really took me back to, like, there's been times that I'm like, it's very funny that Conan was, like, one of my favorite wrestlers in the world in, like, 1998 or whatever. And listening to this promo reminded me exactly why that was. Because I didn't give a shit about, like, who could do moves or whatever. What I cared about was he was really cool. And he talked in a way that was compelling to me. And that's all I cared about. He did. His rolling clothesline was a cool move. Oh, yeah. So he did have that one good cool move. But, yeah, no, you look back. And Conan, uh, you know, gave Conan lent the outsiders like all of the uh, what's the good word to use here? You know, they they were cool, but Conan was like, no, you're like young and urban and cool, and that all came from Conan. Yeah, he was um, authentic. Yes, and they in a way they were, 
And uh, to quote Dave Bix's band, they swaggerjacked Conan. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they made it work because, you know, they're big charismatic superstars also. Yeah. Uh, but without, yeah, Conan is what really afforded the NWO and especially the NW Wolfpack, like that real contemporary coolness where it's like, no, this is of the time. This is today. This is modern and young. Right. This is not, you know, just old, old guys being big and whatever from the other. Yeah, I, I was like, I was definitely, I mean, imagine what I looked like in 1998 in like Eastern Kentucky and I was hitting the Viva La Raza, you know, I mean, it was just, it was real to me. It was very serious to me. So yeah, but this was a reminder that the problem was at the end of this segment, I wanted to see Conan versus Tully. I mean, you know, and that's, that's concerning a little, but I don't, I don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're the people who seem to have the, the real issue, but I think you're right, Nate, that, that. Conan was able to, I mean, he did say a lot of the same things that, that uh, Santana and Ortiz have been saying, but he like made you feel it in a different yes. way. And that's, so. that's exactly what I discussed last week, which is these teams all have good content for this promo that they're trying to set up, but you're not the way that video package last week was edited together. You didn't feel any of it. It was all like, okay, I'm, I'm reading lines off a, of, uh, statute or whatever. Uh, whereas Conan is like, no, I'm I'm Conan and I'm real and I'm telling you the truth, right? Nate, I was listening to the games, the documentary uh, the other day. I did and- see you searching the game, and I was like, why is he doing that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've been going through this uh, top 250 hip hop albums of all time list. Oh, I was gonna say it's not on the Rolling Stone list, is it? No, I took a break after 250 Rolling Stone, and then I wanted to listen to some more hip hop. And uh, the game is like toward the bottom of this list. Uh And uh, all I could really think about while listening to it was your comment that FTR (laughs) is the game because of his uh, repetitive lyrical content that was just, you know, name dropping other rappers he wanted to be thought of like. I think that's one of my my best points ever made on this show. It's my favorite for sure. I thought it was. I did like I bought that album. I liked that album. Uh, I liked the the Kanye West song, and then the "Why You Hate the Game" the Just Blaze epic. That's like a twelve minute song. Uh, still listen to that from time to time. It's, I mean, I've like "Dreams" the Kanye produced song. I've always loved that song. Yeah, but the album, he really says the exact same shit on like every song. Yeah, like every song, he talks about how he got shot and how he went into cardiac arrest and how he's bringing back NWA and he, he has to say Dr. Dre. 50 Dr. Dre Easy E on every Easy song. E. It's uh it's a tough listen the whole album in 2021. Yeah, for sure. No, you just need that one just plays epic. For sure. Uh okay, I Am think I, oh, I'm thinking of the wrong album. I'm thinking of the wrong album, aren't I? Um I was thinking of the documentary. The song the, is called Why You Hate the Game. Uh the documentary is the first one um the doctor's advocate the doctor's advocate yeah he named his fucking album after dr dre and had no dr dre songs on the album yeah that's classic the game for you there classic the game uh i think it's my turn now right uh my elite pick of this week uh is miro as god's favorite champion my my main takeaway from last week's dynamite was that Miro needed to do like a, a prosperity gospel gimmick uh, where he just talks about why he's highly favored 
And that's, I mean, he was already starting to do that, but I wanted him to spread his wings a little with it and, and go a little crazier. And this promo on this episode of Dynamite was insane. It was so good. I mean, I think, Nate, you had the tweet of why doesn't he write Cody's promos? You're exactly right. He killed it. He, he started off with, thank you, God, for making me so powerful and my hot wife so flexible. <laughs> I mean, how do you top that? So Mike and I were talking this morning. He's got to start coming out in uh, the crazy. Well, I mean, Andrade's kind of doing this, so maybe he can't do it. But, you know, he's got to do the crazy fits uh, where he just talks about how, you know, if people just uh, believed in God more, they would be as successful as him. I think that would be a very successful heel gimmick for him. So I just I love it. Miro has been winning from day one and he continues to win. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his first, his first gimmick and his first fits were good and he's only gotten, uh, better and better dressed over time. Uh, the line that I excerpted on Twitter and just want to shout out again was he said, standing between a man, and, uh, a righteous man in his path is like standing between cleaver and the meat, uh, which is just, I, a, a line so artful, you never expect it from pro wrestling. <laughs> that That's, <laughs> that's not that doesn't happen in the in the realm of professional wrestling uh that was beautiful um and yeah this reminded me of an old mary j blige interview i read in probably rolling stone like 15 years ago where the interviewer was like oh you know you're so religious and talk about god so much and uh also like you are covered in diamonds from head to toe and all this shit and mary j blige was like god wants me to shine and that's miro to me god wants him to shine um, I, I would never begrudge him all of his power or his outfits or his flexible wife. Um, he is the man and I love every segment that he is in and every segment that he has been in. I think that at first I would like to thank Miro for giving us his testimony. You know, that was very nice of him talking about his walk with the Lord, you know, for our Lord and savior. Uh, he's great. Like, well, just to further, like camera home the point. What we need is Miro needs to get three-piece suits that are done in Gucci print. He's have a giant crucifix coming out and really just ape Danny McBride from The Righteous Gemstones. That's right. I found another angle to say a Jody Hill show is related to AEW. So, yeah, no, this rock. Miro's the best. Miro's number one. Do you, I want to hear Miro do an, uh, an I Love America promo. Um, <laughs> the, the problem is I don't know. Like, I guess he would be a heel while doing it. But I think I right. would come away with it going, oh, Miro makes some good points. I kind of like America. <laughs> I, I mean, the the one promo that we really need is we need him to do AT Aliens, uh, This Is My Shit from Spring Breakers. Because I feel like that he could really put a nice spin on that if we just let him do a full line reading of that monologue. And Jeff Jarrett should be there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's the MMA preacher. See, this all gets back together. It's all related to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our listener elite from this week comes from Alex Ron Johnston. I don't know if it's the three names or if it's just because I spent a lot of time in Clearwater recently, but I always think about Scientology when I see Alex Ron Johnston. <laughs> uh, is elite pick the Brit promo burying Vicky for wanting to get in the ring with her? Huh? Yeah. Any takers? To get Vicky off the show. I don't want her yeah. in the promotion. Yeah, we need... I mean... We need to uh, shave Vicky's time from the show. And folks, today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, our go-to for men's below-the-waist grooming products. And folks, Manscaped has a new product alert. Can somebody do sirens? Nate? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> it, that's a chicken, I think. <laughs> I thought he was going to go to the to the take chopper and start firing that up. <laughs> okay, but no. no, it's the it's the burp, 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 burp. <laughs> Yeah, did you not enjoy my reggaeton horn then? Yeah, it was great. It's time to stop. Wouldn't have been my guess. Drop and order this brand new shaving kit that Manscaped just launched. They're introducing the Ultra Smooth Package, a specialized groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. So here's what you got in the Ultra Smooth Package. You got a crop shaver. You got the crop exfoliator. You got the crop gel. It's time to crop that bush of yours and get right to the roots with a discount just for you. You get 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. You just use the code this is. So this is from the legends who introduced the electric ball hair trimmer. Now they got the razor and set to get you trimmed front to back and side to side, I think I would say. Uh, so here's the deal. It's hard to shave your balls. I think everybody would agree with that. Uh, you got, I don't know. I haven't seen either Nate or Mike's balls, but if they're anything like mine, they're wrinkly. The hair is just hard to get to. You got to like, I don't know. You got to spread it out really to get them really close. It, not it, a problem. It's a full routine. It's a full routine. It is not a problem with the ultra smooth package. It's three steps. One crop exfoliator. So after you wash yourself, you use this exfoliator. I've used this. It makes me feel great. I'm going to be honest. It reduces the risk of ingrown hairs. Then you use the crop gel. Uh, so you can really see where you're shaving with this unique clear shaving gel. That's just for your groin. It's got four essential oils. And then step three is time to shave. They got the crop shaver designed just for shaving the groin area. Three precision blades, extra wide lubricating strips. Uh, it's not your average razor. It's smaller, thicker with a micro comb bar that allows for the best shave possible from any angle. And all these products are vegan, cruelty free and sulfate free. So you know your manhood is in good hands. Uh, you got to get up close and personal with the best tools for the job. It's the ultra smooth package from Manscaped. You get 20% off free shipping with the code. This is at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code. This is at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. All right. Time to talk about the things we didn't like from the show. Uh, and I know this is a show where we liked more than we didn't like, but Nate, I'm sure there's something that you think we ought to kick off. And maybe it's Vicky Guerrero. You already referenced it. Yeah, it's Vicky Guerrero. Um, <coughs> this was incomprehensible to me. I, the, the initial angle where they in, introduced Andrade to me was incomprehensible. I can't believe they fucked it up that badly. Last week, I deleted the Andrade segment, I think. Um, did I? Maybe I did. Uh, because it was the sit-down interview with JR, which was like, fine. It was Okay. Um, but didn't really do anything to fire this guy up after the absolute debacle that his introduction was. This week was maybe the worst of all four weeks that he's been in this promotion. He comes out after one guy has been introduced for a match. Vicky does their stupid 15-year-old shtick that everybody hates. He, she's going to make an announcement. Andrade's standing there. The fucking next segment has already started. And then Matt Seidel is introduced. Matt Seidel brushes right by him. Mike Seidel stands there, gets in Andrade's face, and Dickie Andrade back down from the yoga monster. Mike Seidel. This, uh, this is dumbfounded. <laughs> this is incomprehensible. This is maybe the single stupidest thing that's happened in AEW. I, this, I, 
I don't know. What was the intent here? To, to remind you that Andrade's in the company? Th- th- they would to have been make much... sure that Mike Seidel goes over? Yeah, if this is a, if this is part of the Mike Seidel push, then okay. But it seems like an expensive push for Mike Seidel. Um, I, I, have a th- I have a theory. Uh, TJ Hawk texted me after, at the end of this segment with two words. Political hit. And I think... I've just decided this is payback for Andrade demanding creative control. Oh, motherfucker. You think you have better ideas than I do? Here are the shittiest ideas I could possibly imagine. You're done. Also, fuck Conrad Thompson. I think it's also there's some Conrad Tony Khan heat, maybe. It's a shot at him. I I did, honestly. I almost, I started to type the tweet that was like, are they trying to make Andrade look as bad as possible? Because that's... What him not being on the show and not mentioned at all would have been better than what they did. I cannot. They made this guy fucking come to Jacksonville for this. Imagine, imagine you had to drive to Jacksonville <laughs> so you so you could stand on a ramp, and then you could be like, "Oh, Mike Slidell," and then you could turn around and and leave. This uh, I cannot. You know, most of the time I can I you know reason a pretty good guess of what I think they were going for on the show. Like, Oh, here's maybe the thinking they were trying to establish this or do this other thing. I cannot even guess what the intent of this was. Are we supposed to think that there's actually a big announcement, but it was, it's so important and so big that when Vicky, Vicky can't number one, <laughs> wait, <laughs> so Vicky can book whatever fucking match she wants, but she can't get a spot on the show to do a big announcement. Did Cody book all the spots for big announcements for the next year on Dynamite or something? <laughs> this was god awful. Um, I'm I'm mad about what they're doing with Andrade. Um, and yeah, you know, I was gonna say, oh, you know, they should they should maybe give the AAA title to Jungle Boy or something. Presumably, Andrade is gonna win the AAA title from Kenny Omega. I have to guess that's what AAA wants to do. And like, what the fuck? It's just like something that it was so like disjointed. Like, all right, we have this rematch from Dark. It was a really fun match on Dark with uh, with Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. I was stoked to get this match, and then like before even the match happened, we had excuse me, and it's just like didn't Vicky Guerrero when she first appeared in AEW said she was dropping the excuse me and the Cougar act like like I I don't I, remember I her saying remember that. Uh, that does seem like a thing they would probably try to do at the beginning of AEW. Like, hey, right. the problem is that's the only fucking thing she can do is say, excuse me. So you can't yeah. get away from that because then she has to fucking talk and promo and she cannot. Yeah. And, and on top of that, like Andrade last week did a pretty solid job as much as one can for it. Just a pointless manager role to say, hey, look, I'm a third generation luchador. Vicky, of course is linked into lucha libre history we have a lot of connections we have a lot of things here so of course i'm gonna when i come into this company i'm gonna go to vicky Guerrero. like that makes perfect sense there but then you have this here and and nate pretty much hammered all the big points here i think andrade was just there so he can do his Giro eichmann and show off that his jacket was embroidered el idolo on the inside because that was all, that was all he did that was all Andrade did. He came to Jacksonville to come out before the second match of the show and to show that his jacket was embroidered El Idolo. Like, that was it. Do, do, do they have data that says that Vicky Guerrero, like, drives viewership? Is that why she's all over the show 
all the time. Maybe like you could just like have Pentagon win matches instead, and then you'd have like a like a, a Latinx star instead of putting Vicky Guerrero up and down the show to make every segment worse. Thoughts, Aaron? It's well, what's funny to me is like the whole thing with Vicky. Like obviously, some part of it was they wanted to keep uh, WWE wanted to give Vicky money, which they could have just given her fucking money uh, after Eddie died. Uh, since you know they killed Eddie, and but it was a the whole thing was a rib on her. Like they knew she was bad, and they put her on TV to put her in humiliating and embarrassing places and have her at fucking edge and stuff. Right. So I mean, they were fucking with her the whole time. It was never that she was compelling on TV. People hated her, and not in a good way. And so now they're just using the same uh, act but putting it on TV like we're supposed to like it or or enjoy it. And it's never been something that was supposed to be enjoyed in any real way. So it's fucking, it's, uh, it's hard to understand. I did find a quote from her. She said, this is before she started, right when she started, she had just done the first thing with Nyla. She says, well, and I have to remember too, that I don't want to be the same character that was at WWE coming into AEW. It's time Oops. for me to reinvent myself. Oops. <laughs> so I didn't like just make up something in my brain. She did no. say that. She, yeah. okay. she said that at least. I couldn't find anything. She's, she's doing bad, bad idea from bad creative from 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know I do this like once a week, so I'm just going to have to start paying my Patreon money to Patrick Cosmos, but he made this joke in the Discord, which was Andrade is somehow the only wrestler still on SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> great bit. Great, great joke. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, but it sucks. Uh, Mike, anything else you thought sucked from this show? Well, I mean, there's a lot on this show that I really enjoyed. Uh, just the general MJF stuff. Like, in general, like MJF put... Sean Spears up to do like the lamest looking chair shot with Sammy because to like put him out of their match next week. And then we had this brawl between MJF Spears and Wardlow and the remainder of the inner circle, because we assumed that FTR and proud and powerful are just out of the picture here. And just like MJF's promo just got to a point where like, I appreciate a good solid heel promo. And he has the capacity to have these promos, but it since going to Jacksonville, I think an argument can be made that at least with his promo abilities, he's probably regressed the most out of someone not named Chris Jericho, which, hey, that's who he's been tied to for the last like six months. And, and then that's this is all like to service that Sammy comes out. He does the big tie turn. He... Pretty much. He then shows how to do a good chair shot to Wardlow. Wardlow took a chair shot like a champ. And then Sammy did a good, like, 30-second promo. Sammy came out and said, on Wednesday, this company finds out they chose the the wrong guy. I'm going to show you why I'm the best ever, and you know it. Like, that's all he had to say. Sammy's not a, a tremendous promo, but he hit his marks. He hit the points of this, and it was so successful. And you compare and contrast that to MJF, who... Just went meandering talking about how he beat up Dean Dean Malenko and made comments about his Parkinson's. Like it just is not an effective heel promo. It's just like at a certain level, like yes, I know that like his one of his tactics is getting the cheap heat wherever possible. But 
when that's all what you do as a heel promo, it's not cheap heat. It's the only heat you get. Yeah, I think it was pretty much fine. Um, I like he called Alex Marvez pig vomit, and I actually laughed at that. Um, that was funny to me. I think mostly because it's just like he's not he's not doing the stuff that's like bordering on edgy or whatever. He's like he didn't do Alex Marvez, you're fat, or Alex Marvez, you have Parkinson's. He was just called him just the lowest possible thing you can be, uh, pig vomit. So that that popped me. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I think what you said about the cheap heat stuff is not incorrect, but that's also like central to his character and always has been. So I don't really, I can't really take that as a knock at him. Like this is a guy, the character is like a guy who was raised and socialized and educated on WWF heel promos of the eighties. So like the cheap eat stuff is just like, uh, you know, central to his existence as a human being. Um, and I kind of, I kind of accept that as just what his character is. Like his character is a guy who's just like, your sports team sucks. You're all fat and you're poor. Um, and it's not, they're not cheap Pete. It's like, no, that that's, I'm a cheap Pete elemental. He's like, I'm, I'm the icon of cheap Pete. I am cheap Pete given shape and form and turned into a primal being that exists fueled solely by cheap heat um so from that i i think looking at it from that perspective it's like you just kind of have to accept it that that's what the mjf character is uh and he's very consistent with this that doesn't bother me um i don't know what else he said i laughed about pig vomit it's just to, the point of heat is to make me want to watch you have a wrestling match where you lose and mjf doesn't do that for me so uh, yeah, well, they're trying to elevate him to be the top heel guy, at which point, you know, he'll beat somebody and then he'll lose. He, so, he, he did a line in this promo where he said, Dean Malenko's so old, the rainbow was black and white. That was corny. Yeah, I just, I just, that's what I think. I think of Jeff's corny most of the time. Like, uh, yeah, that's, anyway. why I like, that's why I like pig vomit, because it was like, it was real and it was grounded. Here's what I'll compare it to. The um, god-awful, which one was it? Batman vs. Superman movie that was painful to sit through and is worse than every Marvel movie, despite what people would tell you. Uh, just unbelievably dreary and stupid and ugly and bad. Uh, there's only one good scene in the whole thing, and that's where Jesse Eisenberg doing Max Landis as Lex Luthor goes and gets a jar full of piss and brings it into a courtroom and like calls you just like is jar pull of piss. That's the only good scene of the whole thing. Cause it's the only thing that's like, has any sort of tactile real sense of being grounded and existing in reality and having like form and shape and not just being like CGI lasers shooting all over the place. Right. That to me is pig vomit. That's MJF being like, I'm, I'm not doing cheap eat and calling you fat Marvez. I'm not doing cheap eat and saying, you're stealing money and you're old and you're Tony Khan's friend or whatever. I'm just going to call you the lowest possible garbage that I can pig vomit. And that was good to me. The only good joke about Alex Marvez tonight was the person who said Alex Marvez looks like he spends $70 a month on OnlyFans. That was deuce, <laughs> um, by the way. So you just shouted out a deuce tweet. Um, I know. I know what I shouted out. I know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> 
All right. It was it was $700 also. Fuck. $700. Either way, it was funny. Um my delete. I mean, I I think I think Alec Marvez is a woke king for supporting the uh, <laughs> fine sex workers of OnlyFans. Sure. And I don't think people should stand in judgment of that. That's what I think. I don't have any judgment of it for sure. Uh, my delete. I mean, you guys picked the two things that were bad uh, from the show. I just want to talk about. I hate. I mean, I'm sorry to do a, a mic here, but I, their editing is really starting to irritate me. Um, they cut a lot we, we used to talk early on this show about how aw was the opposite of wwe in that way they would let shots linger and let you watch the match it's gotten worse and worse where they cut all the time they've started cutting on impact like wwe does which i really despise it's like just let me watch the fucking move they missed the major spot in the uh adam page uh, powerhouse Hobbs match spine buster spot yeah yeah so just bad editing bad directing it's just it's becoming uh a harder to watch just like on its own you know the terms of like the actual television show show and uh you hate to see it yeah i i almost want to do a tweet every time they miss a big spot because it does happen i would say at least three times for every show and i've refrained from doing that because it would just get obnoxious to read i think uh, but yeah, you know, once you start thinking about, oh, they fucking missed that sh- spot. They missed that spot. Uh, and <laughs> if you watch it all with any level of attentiveness, you can feel it coming when they're about to miss a fucking spot. <laughs> yes. When, yeah. when Brian Cage is chasing Ricky Starks up the fucking ramp and they cut back to the action in the ring and Adam Page is flying off the ropes or whatever and they cut back to Brian Cage and you can feel every fucking second they're sitting on Brian Cage too long and you're going go back to the spot go back to the spot and then they go back to the spot and it's halfway over and (laughs) I'm like I could call this show better sitting on my couch from home Um, and I've never directed a show in my life but you can just feel it coming and it makes you mad to see something coming that you can't stop and then it happens exactly as you thought it would uh, it's also not encouraging when this is their 600th show from Daly's Place and they haven't like solved, <laughs> solved those right. things where it's like, no, don't actually maybe don't shoot Chris Statlander's boop from directly underneath the corner where you can't see her signature move that she's doing. Maybe that's a stupid thing to do. Um, now they're going to have to go do that in 1500 different arenas across the country. Uh, and that, that's, yeah, does not inspire a ton of confidence. They should have better direction. Thank you all for finally understanding my plight. <laughs> And this is what happens, Nate. Just last week, uh, we were going, hey, it doesn't sound like that they ADR things in a wind tunnel with a cell phone anymore. No, they have to miss, like, I feel like every match had at least one major, like, direction snafu. And And it's something that, like, yes, you're doing a different setup, but this is something that you have had issues with throughout the promotion. Like, it seems like that I remember, like, oh, they missed a spot here. They missed a spot here. And the the fact that you're not focusing on that, instead you're focusing on cuts on impact, having as many as possible, it's just not a pleasant visual experience. It's just one of those things that you watch it and it drains you. It's exhausting. And, you know, it's one of those things that, especially for something like Will Hobbs, like, that spine buster was his big spot of that match. And they missed it. Because they had to show, as Nate said, it was like watching a car wreck in slow motion. Like you saw it coming with it. And it's just exhausting. 
when they go back on the road, they're also going to do all these crowd reaction shots and sit on those oh, yeah. a second longer and be like, no, you fucking missed the crowd reaction. And now sitting on it, you missed the spot. Um, Keith so Mitchell. I'm, I'm going to get mad on the show every week. Keith Mitchell, we get it. There's a crowd there. It's great to see a crowd. We don't need to see every single Jungle Boy sign. Like, let us see his entrance. Let us see him soak it in. Like, like there was like a moment that like he was like visibly looking up to the sky before Kenny came out. Right. That like it might have been the longest shot that they had for yeah. that match because like they lingered on. I was like, you know what, this is nice, and you know, and this is where you'd be like, all right, we all take moments. Like, you know, he's probably thinking about like what all the steps that led to this, and like that's like a thing about like his dad. And it's like that's a cool moment. Like, like that's something that like as a fan, if if you're pay attention to the product and you keep up on things you're like okay like that that's like a nice thing here and with the way that they do uh direction is something that that kind of moment should be happening a lot more but instead you just like you have this here and you kind of like grab onto it and latch onto it because who knows next time that that they're going to miss a spine buster i'm going to shout out one good shot that they did uh just in the interest of being nice and when they did the big spot in the ethan page match where the bear man uh, was doing a dive and then Scorpio ran and pushed Ethan out and took the dive for him. They shot that really well. They have the crane camera that they never use for that. And so we saw the entire spot happen organically and the spot looked great. It was Ethan page standing there. We saw the bear guy, you know, starting up his run for the dive. And then we saw the whole thing in one shot where in the foreground, Scorpio sky runs over and pushes Ethan page out of the way. And we see the whole dive happening in the ring on the other side of the screen. And it's like, oh, wow, that actually, it makes sense that Scorpio Sky went and pushed them out of the way and actually took that dive. Like, the, the whole thing computes, and it's a very well-timed spot, and everybody looks good doing it. Um, th- I want that level of attention to detail fucking throughout the show instead of for one spot. Yeah, Mike, you made this point on light this morning, but I was thinking about it in more detail. It's just like you said that's one of the problems of having a guy like Keith Mitchell, who's been around wrestling forever, you know, is that sometimes all the bullshit that's existed in wrestling forever is going to seep in. And that's one thing about AEW is like, you got Tony Khan, uh, Cody, the Bucks and Kenny originally as like the decision makers, right? Guys who haven't been making decisions in wrestling for the past 20, 30 years. And that was a real, uh, you know, shot in the arm to the production of this company with all that. But now it feels like, as we go longer and longer, it gets more like the wrestling that we've seen before. We get more interference spots, you know, more angles, more run-ins. And it's like, and more of this editing and more of that production. And so it just, it concerns you about the road that that we're on uh, because they are getting away from like some of these fresher ideas, I think. And it's right. something. I, I, oh, go ahead, Nate. As, yeah, I think it's, the reality of trying to write an original television show week in and week out and Tony Khan saying, Oh, you know, I'll do it all myself or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do the book. I'll do the stories. I'll, I'll plot out Conan's angles and AAA, and I'll criticize Gato's booking. Um, and then it's like, Oh um, yeah, no, it does. It becomes pretty easy to rely on a run in for a big reaction uh, and, and a heel cheating finish interference yeah. on three matches in a row when you have to do this every week. Um, yeah, you, you kind of have to be more conservative about things and be like, hey, let's have uh, a match with no interference, a straight ahead finish, um, and just like put some money in the bank so that when you do all these other things, they mean more. Yeah, and just like one last thing, not to belabor the point, Keith Mitchell has been in the wrestling industry since the mid-80s. 
he started as a camera operator in WCCW in Dallas. The, the fact that he is reverting to these tropes that people have called out for WWE production-wise over the last 15 years, I would say the last 15 years, I think is a fair statement to say about the current production style in WWE. That actually scares me in a way because the fact that you have uh, Kevin Dunn, who I think is around the same age there, and these two leading the production for the top two promotions in North America, you're not having that breath of fresh air like that we were seeing at the beginning of the promotion. Like maybe it's something that gets someone who used to do the direction for ESPN games and have them be like, all right, take shot one, take shot two. I mean, it's, or have someone within the industry or outside the industry, like come in and and maybe not don't give them dynamite, but see what could happen. If you're not having someone who's been in wrestling for longer than all of us have been alive. And it's going to be like, what's going to happen after Keith Mitchell's gone? Well, it's going to be people who've been an influence of that and like, and doing a style there. And it's just going to perpetuate. It's going to self perpetuate unless they take a step back and realize, all right, these things here are not benefiting the experience we're trying to put on here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wonder if that's a thing like, you know, Turner's like, hey, uh you know who's gonna direct your show oh it's somebody that has x number of years directing your show okay good we, we can be confident that'll right. look professional yeah. or whatever that makes sense but this is also supposed to be the young hip brand that is not doing the thing the other companies doing all the time yeah um so you know i i, I would like the, it, i would like it to look different i would like it to look fresh and i would like it to be uh, giving you angles and perspectives and, and and direction styles that aren't like all the other wrestling that we've always seen. Like doing like, like a crane. Riptide wrestling would not work. Like Riptide shoots all their stuff in a way that would not work. But at least it's like, we're going to do a different thing than every other company in the world about pro wrestling. Even like, like half the fucking audience came from New Japan and watching Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks in New Japan. Like I, New Japan doesn't shoot like this at all. Like New Japan is steady and wide uh and they let you watch the match and i i would be you know that would be preferable for me oh absolutely yeah i've always whatever else you would say about the path new japan has been on the the way it looks is always great i mean it's a it's an excellent looking product let's get into the rest of the show from this week it started out with marvez interviewing sammy Guevara as he walked in sean spears laid him out with the chair which he said was compliments of MJF. This led into Hangman Adam Page versus Powerhouse Hobbs. During the match, Starks brought out the FTW belt for Hobbs, you know, as they'd done for Cage. Uh, K- Hobbs was willing to take it. Cage came out, took it back, forced Starks to run away, ripped Ricky Starks' clothes off to everyone's, uh, you know, great admiration. And that led into the spot we were talking about. And then page one with the dead eye. That's the other really annoying thing about missing the spine buster is Hobbs was about to lose. And that was his big spot of the match to like sell that he could have beaten Adam page on this night, you know? So that mm-hmm. makes it even more annoying. Really good match though. Yeah. Um, well, I was very impressed by Will Hobbs in this match. Um, he's just, he's has great heel presence uh, and, yeah, should be a future star. You know, I mean, he's already like halfway there. So, yeah, this was a, a really good start and open to Dynamite. And another one where it's like, well, it wasn't like, you know, blow away, kick out after kick out after kick out, you know, Young Bucks tag special 
well, we're going to do a blow away match right off the top of the show and blow everything away. It was like a nice sound uh, story match with two good workers, but just kind of let you settle into like, oh, this is good pro wrestling on this show. Um, and also they did do a nice story. Uh, VOW was talking about, hey, you know, when Adam Page had his first match against Brian Cage or whatever uh, in a very similar context against a Team FTW guy uh, and Team FTW, you know, beat him and upset him and sort of derailed his title challenge here in the exact same circumstances, you get some nice continuity, a nice little story where it's like, that was the, that's where we were. And now Adam Page has developed. He's come along uh, because also because of what Brian Cage is doing and, you know, turning face or whatever. Uh, Adam Page is making forward progress because he didn't fall in those same traps. He came out of this with a win. Uh, so, you know, you see that they're now building Adam Page back up for that world title challenge. Yeah, no, this match rocked. Uh I felt like this is one of Hobbs's best performances in the company. And I thought that Paige, like always, was very strong in this match. And uh, yeah, this was like a really solid, solid opener. And even with how much interference was throughout the show, I felt like this was pointed interference. It was done in a right way. And it led into the finish in a way that, you know, did not necessarily. Yeah, it did kind of like kind of blow back. Like most of the interferences on the show blew back on the heels. Like, did y'all notice that? I mean, most of it has been like the heels. Like, the only one, the only heel that I think won by interference was Ethan Page. All the other heels, you know, uh, you had Hangman Page was able to kind of deal with the failed distraction there. Uh, the Bunny uh, messed up with their interference, and then Kenny Omega and Jungle Boy. Well, we had someone there helping out. There It was the Lee Hunter, Frankie Kazarian. <laughs> Which means I think that there was interference in every match on the show. No, not uh, Matt Seidel and uh, that's true. Donald that's true. Yeah, I I think they think that they can. I think they think it's not a problem or bad if the interference doesn't lead to the finish, which I think is correct, unless you do it every single time, <laughs> every <laughs> match on every what show. They do. <laughs> yeah, like if yeah. you if you do interference in the middle of the match and then the match goes on, then you can kind of be like, okay, there was a story element before, and now we have the real match and the real finish. Or if you have, oh, the heels interfered, but it didn't cross the baby face of the match. They won up to them. I think my my opinion of their perspective is they're like, oh, that's not a that's not a match interference cheating finish because uh, it didn't go the heels way or whatever. Which is true if you do it once per show and not three times per show. Shit, but, once per month. I mean, once Jesus yeah, once Christ. yeah, month. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Once <laughs> per month, but even once per show would be better than yes, you know, three times per show. Yeah, it, I, I saw, I can't remember what, it was some VOW tweet, and uh, I think Joe had said, so it was about the Christian thing, it's like, oh, there might be an angle coming after the match, and somebody replied, there's an angle after every match. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will, uh, I want to shout out Joe for uh, uh, finding his one criticism at AEW, which is, of course, something we've talked about a lot. Uh, about just going to the back immediately after every big angle. They did the big angle with Conan, and then they just cut to the answers and cut to the back. And it's like, no, let it breathe. Can we see Conan trying to recover? He's an old man, got dropped on his head. He's had many surgeries. Like, let it breathe and let it sink in. Everything is just angle, 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 angle. Then we got a video segment about the Jungle Boy versus Omega match. Uh, this was on Road 2. Excellent segment. Uh, we had Jungle Boy talking about the crowd response, getting him over the top of the Casino Battle Royale. Uh, there was a lot of talk about Jungle Boy being a prospect, reaching his pot potential sooner than expected. And the story of Omega was how he's become more unhinged and egotistical, how that might come back to bite him. 
Uh, and, you know, the, the idea here was giving us some doubt that Omega would be able to uh, to be Jungle Boy, giving Jungle Boy, you know, some viability uh, as a challenge. And, of course, they pointed out that on the last Saturday Night Dynamite, Brody Lee won the TNT title in a somewhat surprise by beating Cody. And so, you know, could lightning strike again? But excellent video. I, uh, I think there was a lot of talk on late this morning about how they should put this on the show, and then they put it on the show. Any, they did. Uh, may, any may culpas from you guys on that? No, I think what Mike said was they should have put it on Dynamite last week, which I, yeah. I stand by, Mike's point. Okay. Yeah, no, it's good they put it on this week. should have been on last week. But it, it was good, so I'm glad they did. Um, a Young Bucks pre-tape was up next, uh, and I, the text of like what I'm about to read you cannot capture what this pre-tape was like so they're saying people say the young bucks are overrated we're the longest reigning tag champs in company history they run through all the people they've beaten now they're going to beat eddie and penta because that's not even a real tag team now this was a truly great segment that you just can't understand from what they talked about but nick jackson is has somehow become the more charismatic <laughs> it's the it's the hair dye it's the beard dye it's, it's insane something. uh sarah was mentioning uh the danglies she was uh very mm. interested in the danglies and uh how nick jackson was like has gone crazy and i'm like yeah it's all great brandon cutler was trying to uh clip in and they wouldn't okay. let him you didn't I mean, ja- the, nick jackson uh uh cacawed like a bird very loudly <laughs> Yeah. I, mean, this, I mean, this is the highlight of the. It was almost the highlight of the episode to me. Uh, yes. Is that the the resurgent charisma Nick Jackson, uh, <laughs> looking dead on to camera with a wild man's eyes. I, I'm, this if it was halfway to Macho Man Randy Savage. He looked like a crazy person. He did giant cacaw bird noises for no reason, and I loved it. it I mean, he's Randy Savage. He was great. He was great. It just was also, so good. Brandon Cutler is like, they don't want him to talk, but he does get in there with one good note, and they're like, oh, that was pretty good. Uh, and then he's like, <laughs> he pumps his fist. He's like, yes, like, yes. I got one in. The, the uh, only I, thing, I love that. Great crony. The only thing I wanted them to do differently there was when Nick was like, oh, yeah, that's good. Then I just wanted him to say that line, like, <laughs> as if Cutler had not said it. That would have been perfect. Yeah. Just this is it, it's something that like they, they've done it again they found like new manic energy that just works so well across it and you know that the, they have taken the idea of they look insane and have made it into a character choice and it's <laughs> become one of the more entertaining things on tv oh it's yeah great. i i I'm, i might wa- i'm gonna watch it again after we're done taping just because uh, nick, nick jackson i think found his mojo when he started doing the merch freak on bte which is where he was like Chris Angel Mind Freak, but about selling Young Bucks merch. Uh, and he would do he would do magic tricks and look like a, like a weirdo at the camera and be shirtless and like waving around Young Bucks dollars. Um, and he's he's channeled that I think into his new bird call Randy Savage character. Yeah, but it, um, it had all been really good. But I think what led to that great tape tonight was learning that while the Young Bucks themselves were vaccinated. Uh, Sasha Banks was not vaccinated. <laughs> I think that's really what what pulled him over the line. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I love the Young Bucks. I don't care. So they they continue to surprise and just be very entertaining. Yeah, they're great. Uh, and then we had the Tully Blanchard and Conan segment that we talked about, and then Matt Seidel versus Dante Martin with the uh, Andrade thing that happened. 
And then Seidel won this match with the Lightning Spiral. This was a great match that sadly everyone's going to be like, oh yeah, Andrade uh, had his thing that just made no sense. But, you know, uh, Dante Martin is great. And especially when you consider like how young he is and how little he's been in the industry and you see him doing this stuff now. Like, I know that, Nate, you pointed this out, but I know this is in picture in picture. They, they had this this spot where it was Dante Martin near the corner was on the outside, and then Mazzadel did like his slice leg lariat through the ropes and caught him with it. That was just insane. Like this match rocked. Like if it wasn't for, I would say actually, with the exception of the main event, this was my match of the night. I thought that this was tremendous stuff. Yeah, I was leaving this one for you to pick as your elite, Mike. I, I thought this match was really good. Um, they they had a bunch of just like fresh spots that you don't see in every other match, and. Uh, they had, you know, executed them all with like perfect, perfect chemistry and they all made sense in the context of the match. And, uh, somebody said it on, on Twitter, maybe it was Grant Akuma talking about how they also had all these different pin traps and pinning attempts coming, you know, logically from these cool spots that they were doing. Uh, but they all looked like they were struggling in every single pin. You could see, you know, the legs, legs stressing against the other guys. They were trying to trap the legs for a pin and everything. And it just, uh, you know, made for a very exciting match, even in the sort of in-between moments. Um, so yeah, this rocked. Uh, don't, you, you, you want to see something come from this. Uh, I don't know what does, uh, but it, it's also kind of cool that they were like, oh, Dante Martin and, and Matt Seidel had a great match on Dark. Uh, they deserve to be able to do that with an audience on on TNT or whatever. That's a cool thing you can do in this promotion. And it's cool that they they did it. Jungle Boy was backstage. He says it's going to be the biggest match of his life. Christian comes out. He agrees with Jungle Boy, uh, but tells him not to just be happy to be in the spot. You should be pissed off because some people think you don't deserve it, including Kenny Omega, and encourages him to uh, shock the world again. Very funny that, you know, we've talked about, especially Mike, that Jungle Boy's not a good promo. They literally gave Jungle Boy one line in this (laughs) promo. Well, and then he said thanks to Christian at the end. I was going to point out, Nate, I don't know if you saw uh, when I tweeted this out, but there was a story about Jungle Boy that I saw earlier today. He said, every time they ask me to do promos, I kind of duck and run away so I don't have to. A lot of people give me advice here and there. Uh, Actually, our producer, Jess Palumbo, has helped me a lot because she's there all day filming people. When the time comes to buckle down and get good at it, there are a lot of people who will be able to help. Very funny. Yeah, no, I, I relate to that. That, that puts him more over in my mind because I'm also <laughs> avoidant of my problems. Sure, um, I, I get that. So uh, more power to you, Jungle Boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're doing a good job of uh, making his, you know, his, his dialogue in these little skits or whatever is very functional, and you don't have to, you know, try to play above his head and have him cut flowery Miro promos about cleavers and meat. He's just like, no, nah, I'm just. I'm just who I am. I'm just here trying to be a baby face and do my best or whatever. That's all you have to do. And Mark Sterling was backstage with Jade Cargill. He says they finally reached a deal with Shop AEW and they have a 10% off deal for Jade's new t-shirts. I think they said she had two. Uh, and then Mark says, you know, look at this boring Dark Order shirt. He tries to rip it, but he can't do so. Uh, Jade takes the shirt from him and rips it because she's that bitch. Great little segment. We love this pairing. Uh, I love the the like the sycophantic energy that Smart Mark Sterling brings to all of these, where he's just happy to be there. Um, it's it, they're a great pairing. I also this is obviously like was plotted out and written, but I like to imagine that this is a product of Jade Cargill being a great worker, where she took the shirt from him 
and then let him finish his promo, then did her own promo, then ripped it because she's a fucking worker and she knows how to put an exclamation point on it. Uh, yeah, good segment. Next, we had uh, Alex Barbez with MJF and Spears and Wardlow. We talked about uh, this whole segment, Sammy coming out on top at the end, building to their match for next week. Then Miro was backstage and he did uh, the God's favorite champion promo. Uh, this is, I missed this somehow. You, but you skipped the whole the, angle? What happened? What did I skip? Did you skip the whole uh, in the ring angle with Sammy or did you just said that? Yeah, I mean, I, I talked okay. about it a little bit. The only thing I want to say is what I said on Twitter is that they're, like Sammy is now the the focus of this feud. Like yeah, the, the, and and they even like I said before, the stinger on his music is just his name, and it's like that's when you like Jericho comes out, gets a pop from the crowd, but no no music, no big entrance, no to do about Jericho, but Sammy Guevara gets the big hero's entrance. So I think you know a worse wrestling company would still just be pushing Jericho, pushing Jericho, pushing Jericho, and like you can see a concerted effort here to be like, okay, now we're going to elevate Sammy out of here. The thing about it is, though, Sammy needs to win this match. And oh, I, I'm not confident to. that's going to happen. Yeah. Mm. Because at this point, if Sammy does not win this match, like you can't say, like, oh, he got the pinfall in the uh, Stadium Stampede match as like, this big thing. And when I was after the, the uh, big pinfall, like, he needs to be able to take the big step forward. And it needs to be uh, MGF's already made that big step forward. He's already made. Like, Sammy Guevara, like, we keep on saying, like, is he a made person? Is he going to be, like, the focal point here? But he needs to win next week, I feel like, for that long-term development. I think it would be good if he wins. I think, realistically, if he loses, that we're going to be like, he should have won that. He should have won that. He should have won that. And then, like, three three weeks later, they'll have done some other angle and, like, put a big spotlight on him or whatever. And I'll be like, oh, I don't know. I think they got it back with Sammy. I think that's realistically what will happen. Uh, what he should have done is he should have won the fucking feud against Matt Hardy eight months ago. I will say that they had Sammy so hot when there was that like thing of him breaking off of inner circle. And I thought they'd lost it then. And he was back hotter than ever tonight. So uh, they certainly, the AEW crowd has certainly shown a willingness to like get back behind people. Uh, So maybe it's not as big of a concern as, as I think it is, but sometimes you just, I'm just always concerned. You're going to miss, you know, when the iron is hottest. I think um, wrestling fans desperately want people to be stars because there haven't been new stars in so long. I think wrestling fans desperately want to get behind young guys and have young guys that they can point to and say, that's our star, that's our generation, we're coming up. I think they are going to give so much latitude to this company to uh, get people over and have people be stars and make the right decisions. You have, I mean, you know, you look at the other promotion, it took at least 10 years to break the audience and until they were totally toxic and had turned against them and forgot what wrestling is supposed to be and forgot what stars are. Uh, it, it takes a very long time, I think, to break that natural inclination of wrestling fans to want to support the guys they like. Uh, then we had Miro backstage, and we talked a lot about this promo without pointing out that it's building to a match with Brian Pillman Jr., next week yeah well uh, that's not the focus that's not you know that's secondary he's it, gonna beat brian pillman it's fine whatever yes but it's uh it's good i'm i'm pro brian pillman jr so i'm excited about this little little push for brian pillman i personally i couldn't throw my weight behind anyone who stands in the path of god's favorite champion i mean that's that's a fine point who can uh, staff stop the path of mirwa <laughs> <laughs> uh ethan page versus bear bronson was next and Ethan Page won with the Ego's Edge. The 9 o'clock match, folks. Ethan Page versus Bear Bronson. 
the after worst the match, match on the show. Yes, it was bad. After the match, Paige said he's not done with Darby. He's going to be the nail in Darby's coffin, and he challenges Darby to a coffin match for Road Rager. So I think everybody expected a big angle here because it was the nine o'clock match for the individual match that made the least sense being like a pushed thing on this show, right? This is like, okay, you've got Ethan who's in a good angle with Darby and this, uh, you know, undercard tag team that just came from dark. Uh, but yeah, and there was no, no bit, there was no sting return here. Um, I guess you got a big challenge, but yeah, this was a curious choice to put in this spot. Yeah, so it felt like they were building this program in like a very sensical way uh, that I was into, even though I don't really care about Ethan Page. I was like, all right, we're going to get there to like a cool match. And now this feels like an insane escalation of of the program that was going well so far. Yeah, it feels like they're they wanted to hot shot a big match to get more tickets in Miami is what it felt like. Yes, I, I hadn't I don't know this, but somebody I think said in the Discord that the t- tickets are not moving very well for the Miami show, which seems like a surprise. No, well, it's not a su- Miami. Yeah, not, not a surprise because Miami is bad fan culture. Uh, also, they've been running Florida for seventy weeks or whatever. True. If That's you're really true. a hardcore AEW guy, you've probably gone up for a pay per view or two or three. <laughs> right. Uh, we got the Brit promo. She's mad at Vicky, but she'll send her home with a prescription. Vicky cuts a promo. Nyla's coming for the women's title. I just, Vicky's involvement in this. I just, I just cannot give a shit about it, even though I'm high on Brit and Nyla. No, yeah. It kills the angle. <laughs> She's got to get off the show. I have to, uh, uh, you know, I have to excise my Vicky Guerrero demon or something. So I stop saying that on every show, but. Chris Statlander versus the Bunny was up next. Chris won with the Big Bang Theory. After the match, you know, the women's division is so important that after the match, they did an angle that didn't involve any of the women. Uh, Blade attacked Orange Cassidy. TH2 came to help. Blade retrieved brass knuckles that Orange took from uh, the Bunny during the match and hit Orange with them. Also, the finish sends it around the men. Yes, also true. I guess that's probably like their... They think, oh, well, you know, our, we don't think our audience cares about the women's matches mm-hmm. as much. Uh, so we're going to try and prop up the division by putting our big star Orange Cassidy in there. You know, I can see their logic on that. Um, but it doesn't it, create stars, though. Right. It's just like a big, a whole problem with this promotion is a lot of self-fulfilling prophecies. It's like, okay, if you treat it that way, that's how it's going to turn out. Also, if you chase ratings constantly, instead of trying to try new things and build new things, the same shit is going to be the stuff that pops the ratings. Like that's how it's going to happen forever. So it's just kind of, it's frustrating. Uh, QT Marshall is backstage with Tony. He was mad that Brock Anderson won the TNT wrestler of the week last week. Uh, Tony asks him about the upcoming match with Cody. QT says he's here on Dynamite doing the work, unlike Cody, and he hopes Cody gets cast in a superhero film, 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 and goes away. All right. I didn't pronounce film correctly the first time, so I just wanted to make sure I stuck it in my brain. Brian Pillman Jr. is backstage. Uh, He says, it sounds like Miro has a Messiah complex. Uh, Yeah. Are you listening, Brian? Come on, buddy. Hey, I was I, Brian Pillman Jr. knows what a messiah complex is. And I was impressed. <laughs> that guy seems dumb. Maybe Miro wrote this promo for Brian Pillman. 
Uh, and Brian says, but you just want to pick fights you think you can win. I mean, I think that's the point, frankly, Brian Pillman Jr. He says, well, I've got a complex too. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> Very strange line from Brian Pillman. He's going to put Miro's ego in check. That was it. He had his own unique fit wearing a mesh <laughs> champion football jersey. Yeah, he, uh, he posted a selfie earlier, and Sean Ross Sapp was in the reply saying, "I'm jealous of the outfit." To be honest, that's all. <laughs> would would love to see Sean Ross Sapp in this outfit. It's like, yeah, no, what you're jealous of? We're all jealous of the body because he's got like a super Adonis body or whatever. So it doesn't right. matter what he wears. Yeah, try it out, SRS. Let's see you post it. Post that fit. <laughs> PTF. <laughs> that's right uh eddie and pentagon were backstage with oh i meant to do i forgot to do a, a listener uh delete and it was from our <laughs> listener uh, so long ago it was a day ago yeah danny h who said alex abrahantes with penta and kingston uh was yes his thank delete. you thank you danny h yeah by the way if you fucking reply to me on the account where i say get rid of alex abrahantes and you're like no i'm gonna mute you <laughs> So be aware. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's fair. Nate mostly deals with the with the Twitter account, so I uh, have to you know let him do what he you wants. Know, if you're going to reply to that, you need to provide a proof of your Patreon purchase that you're an eight dollars subscriber. Otherwise, <laughs> mute. Nice. Uh, Eddie says you you took people out in wrestling. I take people out in real life. You only care about your egos, the titles. Like are... fucking Eddie standing anywhere in proximity of Alex Abrahantes hurts Eddie. Eddie looks yeah. less cool standing next to <laughs> Pentagon Jr. because his fucking goofball is on the end of the screen. <laughs> I mean, what? He looks insane. <laughs> I've never heard Nate so fired up about anything. He's so mad about Alex O'Brien. <laughs> you, you've put all this money and investment into Eddie Kingston, the coolest fucking guy in your promotion. And then you got him over at Alex O'Brien's in his shiny jacket. Well, I mean, he is too fat. <laughs> if he true. was doing, he would be better doing a racist gimmick. Is the truth? <laughs> okay, now let's. That's the truth. Let's stop with things we can't take back. I mean, we don't have to call. We don't have to name call. What? How's that a name call? <laughs> he would. He would be more interesting if he was doing a racist gimmick where he's an Arab sheik. That's the truth. <laughs> All right. Which especially uh, has been erased from the internet. Interesting. Uh, the main event, Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy for the men's world title. Uh, the elite hunter, Frankie Gazarian, played an important role. Omega won with the one-winged angel. After the match, Omega went to attack Jungle Boy, but Christian made the save. Matt Hardy and the Hardy family office attack. Christian almost gets the kill switch, but the Young Bucks sneak up from behind and super kick his ass. And uh, all the heels celebrate together. And they do big, they do big tear faces, and Matt Jackson does his fake crying, uh, and then, <laughs> well, what was it? One of the, fuck, one of the young bucks was doing like the Jeff Hardy thing, and was trying to get Matt to do it with him, uh, and Matt like started to do it with him, but the fucking director missed it. Uh, it was it was a good fun little heel sold. All right. Uh, that is Dynamite for this week. If you enjoy our show, the best way to support us is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. We got three tiers. Sign up for any of them. Uh, we didn't have a, a bonus show last week because, well, there was a lot going on. So we brought you an extra long edition of Light to make up for that. And we 
put the uh, this episode live for the $5 subscribers too. So congratulations. Uh, we're excited for everyone. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, we'll have more bonus content coming up soon. We also have a Discord. Join that. It's almost the end of the month. We'll have new stuff in July. The whole Patreon's changing in August, just so everybody knows. So get excited for that. Uh, all new content coming in August. Uh, Patreon.com slash everything elite. That's it. Next week on Dynamite. I really played myself getting all fucking fired up at the end of the show. You did. You did. It's all right. Next week on Dynamite, uh, the main event, MJF versus Sammy Guevara, the TNT title, Miro versus Brian Pillman Jr. Britt Baker and Rebel will take on Nyla and Vicky Guerrero. I'm excited for Nate to <laughs> respond to that match. Uh, and then the Bucks will take on Penta and Eddie with Alex Abrahantes. Uh, so... <laughs> I'm starting See, to get Thor, Thoros, that... is, Thoros in the chat is saying, I'm neutral on Alex. I do not accept neutrality on Alex. If you are, <laughs> if you are neutral, you are abetting Alex Abrahantes, and I will not have it. I need negativity on Alex Abrahantes. I had to say, <laughs> Dynamite next week looks okay. I'm really excited to talk with Nate afterwards. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a good show, I think, except for the Vicky Guerrero match, which I hope is a swerve. Uh, if it's not a swerve and it's just they honestly, they, this is their data indicates that uh, all the attention and as far as women on the show goes to Vicky Guerrero, um, then they have to th throw out the data. They have to get a new audience because it's not acceptable. <laughs> all right. Well, um, that's what's going to be on Dynamite next week. We'll talk about it on the show. We'll be live. So sign up for the $8 tier and uh, listen to us live on the show next week, or you get the replay forever for the rest of your life. You can go back and listen to the live version. And this episode, you're not going to know this if you're listening to this on our podcast feed, but there was a big malfunction in the middle of the show. And you'll never know that if you weren't listening on uh, the live feed. So, Or unless you listen to Aaron saying it just now. Yeah, but you didn't get to hear it happen. You know, <laughs> this is like, this is a tease. For well, I got, you even, can't hear. even the patrons are, are missing out because the real action was Mike doing like throat cutting uh, <laughs> motions at us. Like, oh, it's dead. It's dead. It's dead. I was like, Mike, if it's dead, then why can't we talk? Why do we need to stop? You, you no, can't I talk think because Mike... we were going live. Okay, no, I think but, Mike was saying he was going to kill me for fucking up the stream. I think is what no, I was. No. I, I mean, I, I'll peel back the curtain. The reason why I did the throat cut was because the way that OBS works is it pulls the audio directly from our podcasting uh, web platform. So no matter what, how you were talking, even though it wasn't being recorded by the platform, it was getting picked up by OBS. Okay. Well, but why do I care? <laughs> what difference does it make if it gets picked up by OBS? I, I think he's just saying the true. live listeners could still hear it. Okay. Well, that's fine, right? Isn't that what we're we're giving them? We yeah, want them to we, hear the we fuck didn't up? Yeah. start saying, "God, I fucking hate these patrons." As soon as, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm been, sorry. See, I tried my... to air professionalism here. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I appreciate your apology. Please avoid that in the future. <laughs> Please avoid being professional in the future. All right. Uh, if you want to know more about our internal squabbles, follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating and review. Uh, the best way to support the show, patreon.com slash everything elite, or go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code. This is, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Get the ultra smooth package. Shave your balls. All right. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Shave your balls.
Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just 2 bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. 